Hi, I'm Mo Crum. And I'm Harrison Crum. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode, we interview the brilliant doctor of physical therapy and certified USATF running coach, Victoria Seckley. We learn all about training to run with more strength and keeping it injury-free. Welcome to episode 12 of the Marathon Training for Beginners podcast. And it's a very, very happy episode 12 because my amazing husband, Harrison, is 30. I'm getting so old, I can't believe it. No, you're 30 years young and you look amazing and I love you. Happy birthday. Thanks, babe. Love you too. And my cougar wife is four months (laughs) older than me. She's been 30 since February. Yeah, so he's had four months to basically make fun of me (laughs) for being (laughs) 30 however now we are the same age we're gonna rock it it's a new decade it's a new decade we're excited and we've got big plans and we think that uh this podcast will be a big part of our lives Mm -hmm. uh, over this next decade we're really excited and thanks for everybody for listening um our lives have been kind of crazy lately as you all know we've been uh living with the in-laws and getting our house ready. Mm-hmm. And we've been really spending a lot of time picking out floors and paint colors and different things. So yeah, to the point of exhaustion, <laughs> Mo has uh, changed her mind several times. Well, flooring is the most difficult decision Definitely. I think I've ever had to make with a home renovation process. Yeah, you've been so patient. It's such a big expense and you don't, you can't just rip it up if you don't like, I mean, you could, but it's going to cost you another, you know, multiple thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. He's absolutely right. So that's why, that's why I'm taking time. And I think I'm, I think I know which one we're going to do for now. So we want to play this little clip for you guys. We were at our friend's house um, because they have these floors that we really like. And we went in there twice to look at them because we thought we made up our mind and we didn't. So here's a little clip that I recorded while we were walking through their house. And (laughs) I thought you all should hear kind of the frustration in my voice. (laughs) Hour 17 of the floor saga. We're finally coming to a conclusion. Mo, did we pick our floors? Uh, I hope so. (laughs) Shout out to the Haas for letting us invade their house while they're on vacation. You guys, I I just wanted to record my voice while I'm going through this. She is driving me crazy. Okay, so, um, but... In all seriousness, um, I'm so glad that Mo's been so intentional about our flooring and um, this whole process. Thanks, honey. I'll remember that when I drive you crazy next time. But we're getting excited to move in. So if if our episodes are a bit irregular over the next few weeks, that's why. Yeah, we have to. We're doing quite a lot of um, renovations. So we may be a little bit MIA. Absolutely. So our training has kind of taken a little bit of a hit, I think, um, probably due to the heat outside, due to just kind of the the disruption in our 
um, our daily schedules. Yeah, I think the heat definitely plays a factor, especially for me because I, if I don't run in the morning or at night, I normally do it when one of Calvin's napping, but because it's so hot, I'm like, I can't go outside. Yeah. So, but um, the, the interview you're going to hear today by Dr. Victoria Seckley, she um, gave some really good advice. That, I'm not going to blow it, but I've been taking her advice since this interview was done a couple weeks ago, and I've been incorporating a lot more strength training into my um, marathon training. So I'm really excited about that and excited for all of you to hear it. Yeah. And I've been following our weekly zero to half marathon plan. And like, if I miss a day last week, I'll double up the next week. But can I just note that my Strava has not been working properly? Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Remember remember how it was? Uh, it wouldn't save my runs? Yeah. And then it would show up later. But then I went to look back and or I went back and saw that the runs weren't there entirely. Mm. Like they had disappeared. Interesting. I need to call Strava customers. Yeah, they've been going through. <laughs> Strava has been going through a lot of changes. They're trying to honestly stay afloat. And I think that they're trying to monetize. Oh. And so they're changing a lot of features that before you had for free that now oh. you have to pay for. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what Strava is, Strava is a great app that tracks your running path, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a social app. You can comment. You can give likes. It, yeah. It's pretty cool. Running. Yeah. It's I really just awesome. like it because you can like see where you go. Yeah. All right. So the zero to half marathon plan that we've been putting out weekly, we are now in week three. So we wanted to just kind of go into detail on what that's going to look like this week which we'll post to social media about the time that this episode hits. So Monday, you've got a uh, one and a half mile run. So with these runs, try to just run as long as you can. We understand that the people following this plan are coming from very little running to zero running. Like me. (laughs) But the one and a half miles, just try to go uh, as long as you can without stopping. But of course, if you need to walk, it's better than nothing. Uh, Tuesday will be strength training, which you'll get some great ideas from on today's podcast. Uh, Wednesday, another one and a half mile run. Thursday is a rest day. Friday is a cross training day for 30 minutes. Now remember with cross training, you can do uh, elliptical rowing, yoga, really anything that gets you moving, but that's not running because we want to have low impact on your joints and on your muscles. And then last but not least, Saturday will be a two miler Sunday arrest. Exciting. Yeah. So we're really excited that we've had actually a lot of good feedback of, of people that are following this uh, zero to, to half marathon training plan. So keep following along. And we promise that by November, you will be ready for your half marathon. Okay. So now it's one of my favorite segments of our podcast. It's where we hear from our amazing friends throughout the world. Yeah. Shout out. And the first one comes from India. All right. He's from a city that I don't know how to pronounce. I think it's Darjeeling. Okay, so he said, hi, your podcast listener here from Darjeeling, India. Just finished listening to episode two. Both you guys are great. I ran a 10K last November, planning for a half marathon this November. Hopefully it will happen. Take care. Thank you from India. Thank you so much. And also good luck on the half. We're excited to hear from you and how it went. Our next friend from around the world has an amazing name. Because it's literally the same name as our daughter, Leah. (laughs) So Leah said, um, you guys are great on your podcast. Thank you. I have been running. I added that. Thank you. I have been running since late 2016. But I took a 10-year break from any exercise at all while my kids were little. 
kudos to you guys for doing what you were doing with two little kids. When I ran my first 5K, my youngest was six. It's gotten easier to get out there and train since they're older. Anyway, I just wanted to say thanks for your podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Leah. It's also awesome to hear from someone who has kids and yes, can relate. Yes, absolutely. And that's really cool. I, I feel bonded to you. Yeah. That's like not weird to say. <laughs> well, I wanted to share that for the first time ever, we got someone to tag us on an Instagram story while they were actually running. Oh. So we had a guy named, um, well, his Instagram name is at that Bacchus. That's T-H-A-T-B-A-C-K-U-S. I told him I'd give him a shout out. Um, but he's in California and he was literally on a run and was saying how much he enjoyed the podcast. And so we thought that was so, so cool that he would um, tag us while running. So thank you at that Bacchus for... Uh, tagging us. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know when I saw the video, I was like, that's so cool. And we had one of our listeners reach out to us with a question. And she said, first of all, she said, thanks to you. I'm motivated more than ever. Well, thank you so much for saying those kind words. Uh, But she said, any advice on what to do when you're running and you get a side stitch? Mm. I get mine at 0.4 miles. And so I got to be honest, I didn't even know what a side stitch was. Mm-hmm. We're keeping things real on, on our, the Crummy Marathon podcast. Oh, yeah, podcast. 100% real. Because <laughs> keep in mind, you ask some of these questions and we don't always know the answer. But as promised in the very beginning, we will find the answers. So what is a side stitch? We found out. A side stitch is that sharp stabbing pain that hits below the ribs. I've totally felt that before. I just didn't know it had a name. You know, you'll be running and you get kind of this cramped this mm-hmm, feeling. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought maybe like something was wrong with my chest or my heart or something. But no, it's it's a, it's a legitimate thing that runners get. And so there's actually some ways that you can prevent side stitches. So we found a great article in Runner's World and it said strengthen your core. So that's kind of obvious, but do 10 minutes of core uh, exercise training three times a week. That's things like planks. You could do push-ups. You could do yoga, yoga mm-hmm. Pilates, that kind of stuff. Uh, but that will help build a stronger core. Um, you need to fuel wisely. Keep in mind that if you're eating foods that are taking a long time to digest, then that can cause a side stitch as well. Uh, so foods high in fat and fiber take longer to digest. So try to avoid those two hours before you run. And then try to avoid uh, fruit juices before you run because that can mm. cause a, a side stitch as well. Uh, if you don't warm up properly, so if you're just going from walking out your front door to booking it and picking up your pace too fast, then you can get a side stitch. Um, and then, of course, focus on your breathing. If you're doing really shallow breaths, we talked about this on an earlier episode, but really take those deep breaths in, fill your belly with air, mm-hmm. and then slowly breathe out and try to do that as best as possible. Which I will say is a lot harder than I initially thought it was. Yeah, it takes some practice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do happen to get a side stitch mid-run, just slow down your pace, adjust your breathing. And, um, there's one trick that they taught, which was if it's really bad, then on the side it is, let's say it's on your left side, then breathe out when you land on your right foot. So Mm. kind of interesting, but it kind of takes some of that pressure off your left side and then helps you kind of get rid of the pain. Awesome. Thanks for your question. Yeah. Thanks for your question. Thanks for your answer, Harrison. Well, thanks runner's world. for the answer. (laughs) We should repost that or post the article. Yeah. Great idea. We'll put that on uh, our Instagram story. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. And then we just wanted to say how much we enjoy hearing from and engaging with all of our friends around the world. It honestly makes us so happy to read your messages. So we just wanted to 
say thank you by doing a little giveaway. Yeah, so we're going to give a $100 Roadrunner Sports gift card Woo-hoo! that you can use towards your next pair of shoes or whatever kind of gear that you need. Um, one lucky winner is going to win this. Now, we're going to put the instructions on Instagram yes. so you can enter the giveaway. But you can actually triple your entry by mm-hmm. DMing us a code word, which Mo's going to give you right now. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, drum roll. roll. Big 30. Big 30. What, what, what's Big 30? Celebrate your Big 30. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you love uh, this interview with Dr. Victoria Seckley. She's brilliant, and you're oh, going to yeah. hear that come out here in just a minute. But first, we'll take a break to hear from our sponsor. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well out in uh, sunny Arizona. Oh, fantastic. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, just about 6 a.m. here and it's bright as can be. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's it's sunny here in New York today, too, but I'm assuming it's much warmer where you are. <laughs> yeah, we'll be in probably like 105 zone, somewhere around there. So oh my <laughs> not not too bad. It's it's a different kind of deal. But yeah. But yeah. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to talk sure. to you. Yes, me too. I am as well. Awesome. Well, as you may or may not know, we have a, a podcast for uh, beginner marathoners. You know, mm-hmm. we feel that there's a lot of people out there who want to get into running. They just don't know how to. And speaking to someone like you is really going to be helpful to our listeners because you're going to be able to point them in the right direction as far as a lot of the basic exercises and strength training and really ways to avoid injuries uh, that I think they're all looking for and just don't know where to find that information. Um, but before we jump into all the good stuff, I want to get into the even better stuff, which is more <laughs> about you. Um, so you're from, I, I believe you're from Toronto. Is that? I, I am. Yes. I'm, yes. I'm from Toronto. <laughs> Not right New on. York. But... Not... <laughs> so you live in New York. I live in New York now. Yes. I've been living in New York for about 10 years now, but originally from Toronto, um, 
love, love Toronto. It's one of my favorite places. Unfortunately, with the border closing, haven't been able to make it back. But as soon as it reopens, I'll be going back. Wait, so because of COVID, you haven't been able to get back there? Yep, exactly. I was actually supposed to run the Toronto Marathon on May 3rd, which was canceled. Um, And that's when I was supposed to go back and visit my family. But unfortunately, you know, because of the events. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> Not in the back, yeah. Yeah, so you're you're born and raised there. Did you live there pretty much your whole life until you went to New York? Uh, pretty much my whole life. Actually, I lived in D.C. for a little bit. So I went to, so I did all, pretty much all of my schooling after high school um, in the U.S. So I went to school in D.C., lived there for four years, and then went to grad school, PT school um, in New York at NYU, so. Nice, I uh, love, I love New York. I, I used yeah. to live in the Boston area. Oh, and really? yeah, for about five years, I went to grad school there and I went to, uh, uh, well, I had a job out there. And so my wife and I, we moved out there right out of college and then um, had our first child there. So oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got a lot of snow up there. <laughs> yeah. But we it's spent, like Toronto. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, we spent a lot of time in New York because my job took me there uh, quite often. Oh, awesome. So awesome. what part, what neighborhood do you live in? Uh, so I'm in Hell's Kitchen right now, but um, I used to live in the East Village. I also spent some time like right outside in Jersey City. Um, and yeah, it's just been very different recently. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it is everywhere, but very quiet. <laughs> I, you know, I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah. Are people out running like Central Park at all or? Oh, yeah. That's probably the, the place that it's the most crowded. I think that and. I think this kind of podcast fits in really well right now because there are so many people lacing up their running shoes for the first time in a really long time just to get outside. And so you go outside and once you hit Central Park, it's like nothing's happened. I mean, everyone hopefully is wearing masks. There are a couple of people who still aren't. But um, yeah, it's a completely different world. It's it's kind of like just a world of runners (laughs) and people walking their dogs. For sure. And so it's a great time to ease into it. And um, so... What, you got your degree and um, you said you're a physical therapist, but mm-hmm. you're a, a doctor of physical therapy. And so I know a lot of people who go that route don't actually get their doctorate. I, I think they, mm-hmm. um, like I've got a, gr- a really good friend, close friend of mine who's a physical therapist, but he doesn't focus on running. And so otherwise I'd have him yeah. on the podcast too. <laughs> yeah. but, but so can you tell me what your official title is? Absolutely. So, so I am a doctor of physical therapy. Um, I am a certified strength and conditioning specialist as well. Um, so that's just helpful in terms of um, basically, you know, understanding how to put together a workout program and everything, which also fits really well um, here and what we're going to talk about. Um, but in terms of the doctor of physical therapy title, actually now in the past 10 years, I think all schools have moved towards only offering a doctorate program for physical therapists. So if you're seeing um, a physical therapist that is not, does not have their doctorate, most likely they graduated before I I like to say 2010 or before 2005, because now pretty much all schools have moved towards a doctorate in the U S in Canada. It's a little bit different, (laughs) but we won't get into that. Um, But yeah, in terms of the, the running, um, specialty it's really just about taking the right continuing education classes and for me it was is honestly just finding my passion and finding what I wanted to learn about and 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 what I wanted to treat really in my patients and my clients Um, and so I took a bunch of continuing education I'm still learning you know everyone should always be learning um, and yeah, that's pretty much how, how, how this came to be started my Instagram page just to get some more people understanding what I'm about. 
Sure, sure. And so yeah. how did you get involved in the running specialty? I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of different areas of physical therapy. Were you always a runner or was this always a passion of yours? Great question. Um, yeah, I actually have always been a runner. Um, so I started out kind of long story short, um, I played tennis in college. Um, but while I was training for tennis, um, when I was very young, probably around 10 or 11, my mom was a really big runner. So she was running half marathons. And one day, you know, she said, why don't you run one with me? So I ran my first half marathon when I was 12 years old. Um, and it kind of just stuck with me after that. So running was something I did um, that really was true to myself. You know, tennis was the whole other thing. And I would, you know, play competitively on that side, but I never really loved it as much as I did running. Um, So once I graduated from undergrad, I was able to kind of focus even more on my true passion, which was running um, and kind of get more into obviously the the PT side of things. So, you know, looking at runners injuries and things like that in terms of running specialty, you know, there isn't much, um, there isn't a specific physical therapy specialization in that sense, but there are a lot of education classes outside of there. And then I also have my running coach certification from USATF. Um, So that's just, you know, options that you can do. And that's why I really love the world of physical therapy because there's so many routes that you can go down. Yeah. Yeah. So many options for everyone. Yeah. So, so 12 years old, that's pretty young to be running a a half marathon. And I've always wondered if, Mm -hmm. if kids can run long distances or or why they don't like, is there something physiologically that doesn't allow kids to, to run long distances? That, that's a that's a great question. And I actually, my parents got that question a lot when, you know, when people heard that I, I was training for a half marathon. Um, in terms of physiologically, you definitely want to consider, you know, their growth plates and, and everything that happens as they're young. But just like adults, the most important thing is making sure that they're properly training, right? So I, in terms of my training, I was already playing tennis pretty heavily for two, three hours every single day. I had a pretty appropriate strength program for my age just because of my tennis background. Um, So it actually wasn't that, in terms of like challenging endurance wise, that wasn't the whole issue. It was more like, okay, am I gonna get injured from this? Which knock on wood, thankfully haven't been. But um, it's really all about training and making sure that there's an appropriate amount of training going down. I mean, I think that now I see kids all the time running half marathons. So, yeah, I I really don't. I I think that as long as it is geared towards, um, you know, you're not going to have a child lift a 45 pound barbell. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it has to be geared towards. Um, that specific training for children, um, which I kind of already had in place with my tennis training. So it, it just kind of seemed natural yeah. in that sense, um, especially the, the endurance aspect, which is probably the hardest part at that point. Um, sure. but, you know, it, it's kind of like any other sport. You know, some people go out there and play soccer for two, three hours and they're running around the whole time. They probably right. are running a half marathon. I, seriously. So, I know. Yeah. That's- that's awesome. Yeah. So do you love every minute of what you do or are there days where you kind of dread the, the line of work that you're in? Of course there are days, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's just like any other, you know, profession. Um, some days are better than others. I think that's really why I have specialized, I guess, in running is because I found in my first couple of years after graduation, 
I realized that honestly, I just light up when I talk to another runner. I love, I could have conversations about running hours on end with people and I do. And that's what I love to do. And yes, of course there are days when I'm like, Oh, I just want to, you know, take a bath and and shut off completely. Yeah. And that's kind of like in the same way as running, we all need, you know, rest and recovery time from everything, you know, just to shut your mind off. And, and funny enough, sometimes I do shut it off by going on a run myself, you know, yeah. it's kind of like the, it all comes full circle is like the thing that, that really I, I spend most of my days talking about, I go out for a run just to forget it all. (laughs) Sure. I don't know what it is about us runners, but, um, it, it, I have found the same thing where mm-hmm. like you get excited talking to other runners and it's just this passion. When you think about it, it's such a simple activity. Like you just get yeah. out, you put on shoes and you run for a long period of time. Like how, how, how are people so passionate about it? But I, you know, obviously yeah. there's something there. It, it does something there, to the human body. It's the endorphins. <laughs> for sure. So I saw you, you made a post on your Instagram and you talked mm-hmm. about that all the reasons why people don't run or, or say that running is bad, you know, bad for your knees, your joints, your ankles, or um, yeah. long distance running is just bad for you. And so I want to start there. I think that is the question that I've had in the back of my mind a lot. And that honestly, I, I still don't have a good clear answer on, mm-hmm. is this going to damage my long-term health? You know, I'm, I'm probably about your age and got a long life ahead of me, hopefully. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to be in my sixties and seventies and, and being like, man, why did I run those marathons? Can you, can you speak to that and, and is running truly something that's going to have positive or negative effects on the long-term health? Absolutely. Um, well, I just want to start off by saying recently in, in recent research, there has been a lot of research coming out saying, you know, it, running is actually beneficial for cardiovascular health, um, a bunch of other things, but mainly the reason that I kind of pull it into physical therapy is going back again to you know, if you're running a marathon and you're not prepared and you're not taking the time to listen to your body and address any issues that you have, yes, there probably will be some kind of damaging effects in terms of injuries and everything. But similar to what I just mentioned before, if you are training appropriately and you understand your body and you know when to seek help maybe from a medical professional, you know when to see a, an ortho, a physical therapist, whoever it is based on the injury, then you can actually have a lot of benefits from running. So it's really important to realize that they've, they've done a lot of studies, especially on older runners, you know, even some who are in their 80s and 90s who are still running marathons, which is crazy. They take MRIs of their knees and, 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 and knee joints and, and hip joints and everything, and they find that there isn't really that much of a difference compared to an MRI of an 85 year old who's not running, you know? So, so you kind of, you you see that there isn't really that many detrimental effects to long-term running. That being said, if your body is not prepared to run, and that's, I think where the concept that gets lost on everything is running is not easy. Running is not really lacing up your shoes, going out for 10 miles when you haven't, even run a a single mile and then coming back and feeling great. You have to build on it. You have to get there. And the most important way to do that is to build on your strength and to make sure that the muscles that protect and support the joints, the knee joint, the hip joint, the ankle joint, those are strong and supportive and running itself is not going to strengthen those muscles in the way that they need to be. Right. So that's when we talk about, you know, proper training methods, 
and, and all of that, that, that really makes a difference in terms of long-term health for runners. And a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people running these days, and unfortunately, they're just, they just don't realize that other aspect to running that really it's this kind of really nice play between running and strength training that gives you the best benefits. And then also, you know, considering form, but in terms of going down the, the path of, of talking about running form, it really is individualized for every person. Sure. So it's hard to say that one specific form is going to be the best and that's going to be the healthiest, healthiest and it's going to keep you injury free. That's actually not true. Um, so it's really just finding kind of what works for you and the best way and, and the best way to do that is to kind of talk to a movement specialist who understands and does a full assessment of your body and understands kind of what your limitations are and then works towards improving that. Sure. And I think a lot of people would benefit from a a service like that, Mm -hmm. but don't know where to find it. Like I know in my city, um, I'm I'm sure I could Google running specialist, physical (laughs) therapist, but uh, you know, so can you give any recommendations on how, let's say we have a listener out in, I don't know, Norway listening to this podcast, like, or, or even, or even in Texas, you know, like where, where could they find a, a physical therapist who specializes in, in running? That's a great question. Um, well, actually, I'm offering virtual appointments right now, so that's a really <laughs> easy way to kind of um, to, to get that for sure, especially in, in light of everything. You know, nothing is really in person, at least not going to be for the next year or so um, without some, you know, implements in place in terms of safety. But Um, yeah, virtually I take a lot of clients, but if you're looking for someone in the area, um, I think just going to, you don't even have to see a running specialist in terms of a physical therapist. You just need to see a physical therapist who can do a running assessment or a gait assessment and just calling up your local PT place and asking them, you know, is there anyone in the office who does running assessments? You will, you will most likely find someone because this is, I mean, physical therapists in general, we're movement specialists. So we know how to analyze gait, whether it's walking or running. Um, so it's all, it, I, I don't think that you need to necessarily find a running specialist. I mean, if you want to talk to someone for hours on end about running like me, then maybe you <laughs> will be, but you yeah. will get the same type of benefit from any you know doctor of physical therapy who has been to the right school and who understands the body, which I'm hoping is all of my colleagues. And, and sure. everyone that I know, yes, they, they would know how to do a specific running assessment. So just look into your local physical therapy office, give them a call, ask them if they do any running assessments, and that's, that's the first step. Sure. Awesome. Well, for everyone listening, go visit Victor- <laughs> Dr. Victoria's uh, Instagram page. Train smart, run strong. <laughs> there you go. Train smart, run yeah. strong. And, and you've got a lot of really great videos on there that, um, in fact, the other day I was like, okay, I got to do a strength training. And I pulled up one of your videos and I was, it was the one where you had the water jugs. Um, mm, yes. And I fortunately have some dumbbells and I'm like, okay, I don't have to use water. <laughs> water. Yeah, jugs. I know. I know. I, I really jumped on the train a little too late in ordering any kind of real weights because now Amazon is not delivering or they're completely back ordered. Yeah. Uh, I, I relied heavily on my gym next door, unfortunately, which has now been closed. Um, sure. So you got, you have to get creative. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, that's the whole thing is, is our bodies really like variety and and um, they like to do different things in terms of learning different movements. So, you know, pick up that water jug or pick up, you know, a heavy dumbbell and, and try out some of those exercises. I think that's a really good way to add load. 
into your system, sure. which is necessary for runners. So if I'm a brand new runner and I'm looking to do some strength training, right? Let's say I've been running just either a few days or a few months or even a year or two, um, but I don't do any strength training currently. What are two or three exercises that I can start doing today, like strength training exercises to really start building up the necessary muscles to be a better runner or to avoid injury? What would you say? Great question. Um, number one is squats. Um, I think every runner needs to understand how to do a squat. They need to be able to do a squat without any knee pain. Um, they need to be able to, to load the muscles in the, um, in the front and the back of the legs properly while the knee bends and extends in order to, um, to also be able to run, right? As you run, your foot lands, your knee goes, your knee bends a little bit more, it extends a little bit. So in order to um, be able to handle that load, you need to be able to replicate that in your strength training. So I always tell people, especially someone who's never done any kind of um, strength training in their life, start with just a simple body weight squat. Make sure you can do a hundred of those without any kind of pain. I mean, pain being, you know, knee pain or hip pain. Pain is not, okay, my muscle's working, right? You kind of want to feel the muscle working in the quads, the glutes, the hamstrings. That's a good, you know, good type of pain. Um, but, you know, you really want to challenge the body in that sense. Number two, I would say, is bridges. Now, bridges work the posterior chain a little bit more, which is super important in runners and something that a lot of runners don't tap into. I'm going to stop you for a second because yeah. I, I, want, I want you to even go into what a bridge is for, for anyone Absolutely. who has no idea what that is. Absolutely. Okay, so a bridge is basically if you're lying on your back, your knees are bent to about 90 degrees and your feet are flat on the floor. What you're going to do from there, you squeeze your stomach lightly. And then you really push through the heels of your foot as you start to lift up your hips off the ground. And just being careful not to make sure that your hips are really extending super high up, but give a light glute squeeze at the top, hold it there for two or three seconds, and then nice and slow back down. And I have usually people start with about 10 of those. If that feels relatively easy, you know, you can start to go into a single leg bridge, which is basically just... Um, lifting up one leg while the other one stays on the ground and then just working one side at a time. Also very important for runners to be able to do single leg exercises. So there's just a lot of variety and a lot of different things you can do with the bridge. And it's just really important to make sure those muscles are working, especially for people, you know, nowadays, since everyone's home, we end up sitting a lot, which sure. then kind of turns your glutes off. Your glutes forget how to work. They get into this lengthened position. And then most of us just stand right back up and go out for a run. You know, how do we expect our bodies to really know what to do after sitting for eight hours, right? So a bridge is a really good way to engage the, the, those muscles that have kind of been quiet for, for probably a long time. Sure. And then, and just a really simple way to make sure that you're also not injuring yourself with, with kind of a, a more challenging exercise, if, especially if you've never done strength training before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And number three would be a single leg heel raise. So that is, you know, standing, you're holding onto a countertop for support again for balance, but you're not pushing through that countertop. And then you're standing on one leg and you're just lifting up onto your toes holding that at the top for a second and nice and slow back down. I tell a lot of my runners in the beginning, you know, see how many you can do on your right leg versus your left leg and compare, you know, okay. is it different? 
can your right leg do more? Then there's some kind of issue there. I, yeah. And these are exercises, honestly, like I've always done squats. Um, mm-hmm. I've never, I don't think I've ever tried a bridge and mm-hmm. um, the, the, the hill raise I've mm-hmm. done, but not single leg. So I've done it where mm-hmm. you, you lift both heels at the same time, but that's, mm-hmm. that's great information. And why would you recommend doing single leg exercises? So running is a single leg sport. You, if you are running, you never have both feet down on the ground at the same time. So every single exercise that I talked about here, even though you're starting with a regular squat, you would eventually want to take that to a single leg squat. Every runner has to be very comfortable doing single leg exercises because that's what your body is doing when you're running. Your body, every, every single time you take a step on each leg when you're running, it's two to three times of your body weight going through that leg. So if you are not properly training that leg, you know, one at a time, then you're going to start to develop some kind of compensation. And especially in in runners who maybe haven't strength trained before, if they're just doing a regular squat and they're doing it on their own, which is great. I'm happy. I'm happy that people are doing that. You might be, you know, subconsciously on one, like weight bearing on one side more than the other. So you want to make sure that when you're doing single leg exercises, the other leg can't take over. You know, you're, you're working one side at a time and that's the best way to make sure that you're prepping your body for the single leg sport, which is running. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. Those three exercises, everybody mm-hmm. listening should, should go do those immediately. <laughs> and then yes. when you want to start getting creative and start getting into more complex stuff, go to Victoria's, uh, Instagram page. Cause you've got all kinds of <laughs> fun videos. Yeah. On there. <laughs> yeah. I try to mix it up. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. If I'm a runner and I'm in full marathon training mode and I've got, let's say a race in 18 weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm running six days a week. Mm-hmm. When, when would I, when would I have the time to do strength training? I mean, do I take a day off to do strength training? Do I just work mm-hmm. it into my shorter run days? What's your advice mm-hmm. there? Yeah. So for, for a new, um, for I guess new runners and new and new strength people who, who have never done strength before, I would definitely take a run day off and work specifically on strength. And here's why is because if you're doing your strength workout, you know, the first, for the first time you're not used to strength and you've never really done that before. All you've done is running. Then you don't want to do that strength workout after a run or before a run, because you really want to stay focused on making sure that your form is perfect in your strength and during your runs. You don't want to get too tired for your run and you don't want to be too tired for your strength workout because that's really where your body starts to develop, you know, the muscles in the right way. So you don't want to be compensating maybe because your muscles are tired from your run earlier in the day. um, And you really would just want to make sure that you're ready for that strength workout. So I would highly recommend, you know, taking a day or two off of the running, maybe running four times a week. And I know that runners hate to hear this and adding two days of strength training. That would be my recommendation. That being said, if you're a seasoned runner um, and and you're comfortable with strength training, but you haven't really implemented it into your program yet, I'm totally fine to do two days of strength, maybe on top of two very short, light days of running. That's fine. Um, but I really do prefer the strength days to be separate, um, sure. just so you can put all of your focus and energy into those exercises because they're just as important as the run. Yeah. And that's like kind of kind of where I feel like runners don't really understand and don't really enjoy the strength. I mean, hey, I'm the same way. The running is much more fun than the strength training. 
But in order for me to give 100% during my strength days, I really need to make sure that all of my energy is in that. So yeah. I don't run on the same days I do strength. So do you do the strength training before you go out for your run or out or after you do the run in the instance where you said, you know, if you're a seasoned runner, then yeah. you, you can do it on the same day? Yeah, I think, I, I, honestly, I would do my strength before for the same reason that um, you kind of want to make sure that the form looks good. That being said, if you're just going out for a mile or two, you know, really light conversational pace, it's totally fine to do it after that. I think that all depends on, you know, your schedule. Um, you know, if you have time in the morning to do a run and then time at night to do strength, that's totally fine. I think that that all depends. I don't really have necessarily a recommendation there, especially if that, that run on that day is, is light, which I would want it to be. Sure. Sure. Okay. So if I'm a a beginning runner, what's, what's the most common injury I might face if I'm really starting Mm -hmm. to ramp up my running? What do you, what do you see most often and how can we prevent that? Um, usually patellofemoral pain. So like knee, uh, anterior knee pain is, is number one that I see. And, and that's almost always because the, the quad muscle or maybe the hip muscles are not prepared to handle the load that running is. So either people are increasing their mileage, um, and, and way too quickly and their muscles are, are, are not prepared for that. Or maybe there's something going on in their form where now they're overutilizing the front of their legs and they're underutilizing their glutes and their hamstrings. So that's almost always um, the, the classic kind of, um, you know, beginner runner uh, injury. That being said, I also see Achilles tendonitis, so it's kind of hard to pick one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, uh, patellofemoral pain is is a very common one. Um, and, and really for patellofemoral pain, what you want to do is just kind of what we talked about already is make sure that that your body is ready to handle the load. So start doing squats, start doing single leg squats, start doing, you know, all the muscles that, that work in the back of the leg and make sure that you're loading appropriately so that when you go out there, your muscles aren't screaming and saying, Hey, this is, this does not work for me. Um, and that's kind of what, uh, patellofemoral pain really is in a very general (laughs) sense of the term, but what, what about shin splints? I hear that a lot. Mm, yeah, shin splints happens a lot too. So with shin splints, the, the number one thing that I start getting people to do is heel raises. Because what happens with shin splints is, you know, the, the foot and the ankle, it, it really, all of the muscles around the foot and the ankle have to kind of play together at the same time, right? So your soleus muscle, which is part of your calf muscle, that it produces the most force when you're running, right? So if that muscle isn't doing its job, the force is going to shift in the foot and the ankle to other muscles. And that's really what the shin splints are going to come from is you're now, your, your calf muscle isn't taking its full weight. It's not doing its job. And so now the rest of the muscles around the shin and around the foot have to take over. And that's really why shin splints get very painful because people are scared to then do any kind of foot and ankle exercise when really, you know, that's, that's kind of where you want to be. I mean, of course, manage the pain first. So maybe, you know, try and try and work out the tension in the front of, of the shin, kind of where you feel that and make sure that muscle doesn't have a lot of tension in it. But you definitely want to be working the calf muscle in that situation and working all the small muscles around the foot. Sure. Because I hear you can get shin splints on both the inside and the outside. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I've only had it on the inside I think mm-hmm. they call it, is it anterior? 
Yep. Yep. Okay. And so, um, but I think a lot of people confuse shin splints with just calf soreness. Is that, is that a real thing? Yeah, that, that's, that's probable as well. I mean, I think that calf soreness says it all. Why is your calf getting sore? You know, is it sore maybe because it's overloaded? Why is it overloaded? Because it's weak? You know, it's kind of like the, the, those, those are the questions I, I would ask. And then, and you know, it gets more complicated. Like, yes, I've had the person come into my clinic who has shin splints who can do 40, 50 single leg heel raises, which means their calf is strong. So maybe their hip isn't doing its job. So that's kind of when it's like, okay, you know, you would probably want to go in and see someone because not every, not every person is the same right? There might sure. be some reason for compensation, whether it's from the hip or the knee or, or whatever that is. And that would require a little bit more of a running analysis, but nine times out of 10, you just got to work on your calf strength. <laughs> sure. Well, I think you've sold me on, on the power of strength training. And yeah. I always, I always <laughs> kind of just assumed that when you're running, your muscles are mm-hmm. being worked hard enough and they're being built over time because you're doing so many, so much mileage. And I'm sure if I had to take a guess, and I'm obviously not a student in the area, but I'm sure there is some level of muscle gain when you're just running and not doing any strength training, right? But I'm sure it's exponential sure. when you are doing the strength training. Yeah, I mean, that, you, you said it right. It, it, you know, as, as you slowly start to increase mileage, yes, your muscles are getting stronger. They're getting used to the, the mileage that you're putting on them, of course. But the benefit of strength training is really being able to isolate specific muscle groups. And what happens when you run, you know, our, our bodies are really, really good at getting us from point A to point B. So if you start to feel something on your run, you know, let's say you start to feel a little bit of ankle pain without even noticing, you might start to compensate in a million different areas, which then if you're running that mileage and with completely, you know, different mechanics, then that's when injuries start to happen. That's when you start to break down. So strength training can really kind of hit those points and make sure that you're working the right muscles in isolation without these kind of compensation patterns, which then I think improves your your running form at the end. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So after listening to this podcast, I am going to start doing more uh, strength training and I'm sure all the listeners are too, but then moving beyond that, there's an area that I'm really curious about, which mm-hmm. is stretching. And I think mm-hmm. there's a huge debate out there when it comes to runners. Do I stretch before yeah. I run? Do I stretch after I run? Um, I've heard a lot of differing opinions, and I was hoping you could clar- clarify. Yes. Um, great question, because as you mentioned, this is a huge um, debate in the research world right now. It's honestly not much of a debate anymore, but um, before a run, dynamic stretches a thousand percent. I am all for that, especially if, you know, like I said, you're getting right out of bed and just going right for the run or you're sitting in a chair all day and then you just stand up and and go out and run. It just doesn't make sense for, you know, if your hips are super tight and and just to just start running and expect your body to be able to do um, everything that you want it to do. So dynamic stretches for sure, before you go out for a run, definitely. And dynamic doesn't mean, you know, holding a position for a long time. So dynamic means, you know, leg swings, um, hip openers, um, some of the drills that I've posted on my Instagram page, so high knees, butt kicks, things like that, just priming and prepping the body and, and getting it ready for the run that's ahead. Now, in terms of after the run, I am not a huge fan of static stretching. Um, 
I think it, if it feels good, have at it. But static stretching really, you know, first of all, you're not really gonna make a change in the muscle unless you hold a stretch for, I think it's like 15 plus minutes, which who's even doing that out there anyways? <laughs> right. you know, so you're not even making a change. Plus for runners, you know, we're not gymnasts, we're not dancers. We don't need right. our leg to go behind our head. You know, like sure. we, we just need it to, to kind of propel us forward a little bit. So you know, they've actually, they've had some research out there that says that, um, you know, if you actually have like hamstring stiffness, you might be a more efficient runner. So in terms of static stretching, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, that being said, I think there are times, you know, when, for example, um, when I was training for my marathon, my, my knee got really tight and I just felt like I had to stretch out my quad. So yes, I stretched out my quad. However, I also followed it up with a lot of foam rolling. Um, and again, the research isn't great on foam rolling. I think all it really does is it kind of takes a, a, a intense trigger point to a more latent trigger point, which can help in terms of healing pain after a run, um, as long as you're doing it properly. And we can talk for hours on how to properly foam roll, but right. again, I have some videos on my Instagram page for that as well. So I do a little bit of a mixture of, I do majority foam rolling after I run, um, but the most important way to recover after a run is adequate food intake adequate water intake, adequate sleep, and just your stress levels. I mean, that is, if you have all of those in place, you actually don't have to do much of a recovery after you're running. Sure. Those, those four concepts are much more important. Wow. You make so. it sound so easy. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so dynamic stretching is kind of the, the movements you're like turning, twisting back and forth. You're, yeah. you're doing leg swings, that kind of thing. Static is going to be more holding something in place. And then foam rolling, everybody talks all about it, but that's more so to loosen up the muscles, get kind of some of that. What do they call it? There's uh, lactic yeah, acid. Lactic acid. There we go. <laughs> yes. I knew it was in the back of my brain yeah. somewhere. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. so foam rolling is good, but as you said, not uh, completely proven, or would you say it at this yeah, point? Yeah, there isn't, you know, there isn't the best research out there on foam rolling. Um, it, you know, some people say like, oh, it, it, it like lengthens your muscle tissues, um, all of that stuff. No, it, it really doesn't. It takes a lot to, to really make a change in the muscle fiber and the muscle um, positioning. But um, I, like, like what I said, and this is kind of what I do in the clinic in terms of soft tissue is if you have these points like in your quad or in your glutes that are super, super tender to the touch and they're just really tight in that area, if you hold the foam roller on there, you hold pressure on there, it can go from a really tense, tight, painful spot to a more kind of latent and relaxed spot. And I think that helps in terms of, um, you know, I'm going to say a big word, neuromuscularly. So how the body kind of moves and how you understand its movement, it allows for a better, cleaner movement. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Totally makes sense. Okay. So the strength training, um, I've always wondered this, does it improve endurance or does it improve pace? Great question. Uh, I can make an argument for both to okay. be completely honest. Um, in terms of pace, like it really, I mean, there's different ways to strength train and you'd have to be doing proper strength training, um, in terms of like adding adding adequate load, um, which can really help the muscles uh, kind of push faster and harder. Um, really for pace, though, you would want kind of 
kind of to incorporate more speed sessions into your into your runs specifically, um, which I'm a big advocate of as well. I I think the the worst thing that runners can do, and even if someone's listening to this talk and decides, you know, I'm still not going to strength train, at least run at different at a different pace with every single one of your runs. You know, if you run the same pace every single time, you're just asking for an injury, right? Okay. So what I say is, you know, have one easy run, um, have one kind of sprint interval session, um, have a tempo run, things like that, that, that really kind of changes your pace, improve, that, that changes your heart rate as well, which improves your endurance and improves your running efficiency and kind of works on different things instead of just running same pace uh, with, at different distances, which honestly does not doesn't do much for you. Sure. I think, I think a lot of uh, beginner runners probably just do like a lot of mileage because they, they see on yep. their training plan that they have to get up to, you know, a 20 miler. And so they're just doing a lot of the same pace, kind of a slower, slower yep. than marathon pace. Um, exactly. And then yep. there's on the flip side, I think a lot of beginner runners or even seasoned runners who are always doing tempo runs. And I, I tend to yep. kind of fall in that category I for some here. reason. <laughs> Yeah, I, for some reason I just feel like I'm <laughs> not. slow yourself down. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like I'm not giving myself a good enough workout unless I'm pushing myself. But I, yep. to, your, to your point, there there is uh, strength in um, changing your speeds. No pun intended. So, um, is upper body important at all to runners? Yes, absolutely. So you you can think of your upper body as you know that's kind of the the, the thing that's going to get you up that hill during the marathon, the thing, the thing that's going to get you through that, you know, last point one in that half marathon or marathon, pumping your arms can really improve um, you moving forward. And if you're not appropriately utilizing them, then you're really missing out on, on a lot of benefits from your upper body. But not just that, is learning how to lift appropriately, not just works on upper body strength, but it works on trunk and core strength right? So being able to hold a weight overhead or being able to do a push-up, things like that is really challenging your whole body. It's kind of that full body benefit where now, okay, now your trunk is supported, right? So maybe in a run, if someone's, you know, bending over and their shoulders are coming forward, that's not beneficial either. You really need the strength to hold yourself back in that good posture and position. And yeah. that also starts with upper body strength. Gotcha. So I don't necessarily need to be pumping iron, um, heavy weights, but if I can do a lot of the, like you said, the, the full body type of exercises that do incorporate the upper body, then I'm probably in, in better shape. Exactly. And yeah. then, and then I want to, I want to debunk a myth here. Um, yeah. and maybe, it, maybe we won't debunk it. Maybe it'll just be, uh, you know, something that's fact. Um, so if I'm, let's just say I'm a, like a bodybuilder or I, I really enjoy, and this isn't me, trust me, but let's just say I, I go to the gym a lot. I'm just stacked full of muscle. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of friends that way. And they're afraid mm -hmm. to run because they don't want to lose their muscle density. And they also think it affects their speed. Is that the case? I mean, no, <laughs> like it's not, it, it, I, I, I must say like, if you're training for a marathon, you're probably going to, you know, shed some of those, uh, uh, LBs, I guess. I don't know. I don't really know how else to put it, but, um, I mean, there's, there's an appropriate way of doing that too. And, and just monitoring your caloric intake and, and, and realizing kind of what is more beneficial to you. I think that, you know, adding some sprints and adding some, some runs to a program is going to be extremely beneficial regardless of, of what your goals are. 
yeah, I just, I've, I think you and I and a lot of runners have found so much joy in it. And it's a shame to see people who kind of give it up because they, they don't want to, they don't want to lose what they've worked so hard for. And, and, you know, I get where that thought comes from. You look at Olympic runners and they're all, they appear to be super slim, slim, you know, but, (laughs) but I'm, but I've also seen on the flip side, I've also seen really, really muscular runners. And so, oh yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Victoria, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're, you're a pro, you're an expert and, and, uh, you know, um, I would, I could talk to you about this all day long, but I know you've yeah. got to save the world yeah. one, uh, consultation <laughs> at a time. So yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you your time. And, uh, once again, everybody go follow her on Instagram. It's yep. say it again. Train, train smart, run strong. Train smart, run strong. All one word. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This was really, really fun. (laughs) Absolutely. We're so glad to have you. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Wow. Dr. Victoria is incredible. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Um, Pretty brilliant. Yes. Most of the time, if you go to NYU for anything, you're pretty smart. Mm, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that she ran a half marathon at 12. That was pretty cool to hear. I've actually never heard of anyone doing that. So no. <laughs> yeah. And she was super informative. I learned a lot, especially the part where she talked about those single leg uh, exercises. Mm. I hadn't heard that from anyone before. So um, I've definitely been putting those into practice in my weekly plan. And a lot of the other stuff that she shared, I think, is going to be helpful for not only us, but all of our listeners. Yeah, I didn't realize how important strength training really is to running. I always thought it was like kind of like a nice detail. But, you know, I didn't realize that it could literally save you from injury and stress on your muscles. Totally. And a lot of training plans kind of leave that part out, Mm -hmm. strength training. And so I think it's really important, everyone listening, just please make this a priority in your training plan. Yeah. Overall, too, the biggest message I got was listen to your body. Yes. Do the proper things you need, you know, the proper training and everything, but listen to your body. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Victoria and all of our friends from around the world. And it's your birthday. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. We're going to go celebrate. Bye. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this friendly journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K.